You had no army, no palace, yet you wore your crown in the way, no king, no challenge. You knew. You knew from day one when you rode in with the sun that you were the king of hopes, the prince of peace, that palm leaves would be placed at your feet, that the prophecy of all time would soon be fulfilled, that from your scars, our souls would be eternally healed. You knew. You knew you were the sacrificial lamb, a martyr for man, the prey, the price, God's redemptive plan, that you'd face condemnation at Calvary, that you'd be marked and displayed for all to see. You knew. You knew you were his majesty sublime, set to calm the storms of time, that all sins will be forgiven through God's unchanging rhythm. That before Adam's first breath, first sin, first sunrise, that we'd see Hosanna in your eyes. Beautiful savior, king of creation, son of God, son of man, and O light of our soul, our joy, our crown. We love you, we serve only you, we praise you, and all along, you knew. How's everybody doing? All right, all right. Y'all hanging in there? All right, it's a new morning. It's a new day. Sixers lost, but we're going to win this series. I was so depressed last night. But God is able. So I'm going to uh, fast and pray that they just sweep the rest of this series because it looked a mess yesterday. Um, so we're here. It's Palm Sunday, y'all. Y'all excited? Amen. You guys excited? Amen. All right. So this is the, the Sunday. Um, we're going to go right to the text. Um, I really don't have to preach because Kara preached my whole entire message uh, with the word of the week. So um, if y'all missed Kara, uh, y'all missed the message. She literally just, I mean, the whole entire text. Then went like, I'm going to go to Zachariah. Ha. Nine and nine. And I'm like, yo, I, that's on my notes. So, so Kara stole a portion of the message. I'm going to try to, like, go around that. Um, so we're just going to work with what Kara didn't touch. Jesus. <laughs> we're going to go to the book of St. Matthew, 21st chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Uh, since it's Palm Sunday, we're going to deal with um, why this is such a celebrated occasion. Um, how many of you guys grew up and remember on Sundays after service, they give you the palms? And I'm sure whoever cleaned the church probably hated every kid that had those palms because it was just a mess all in the front of the church, all on the sanctuary, all in the pews. Uh, so that's why we didn't bring no palms because I ain't trying to clean up all that after service. Um, but we're going to go right to the text here. Um, when you get there, say Amen. If you like, I like to read out of a Bible. I say, hold up, I ain't there yet. All right, so everybody's there. All right, you guys ready? Amen. All right, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, if you have the King James, um, if you, you've known my preaching, I've read King James my whole life, so you'll hear me saying thou and thou, not in, you know, the King's English throughout the message. And it says, I, I use Christian Standard Bible just because it's easier to interpret. And also, with translation-wise, this is very, very close to the Greek and Hebrew. So um, it's not like the Message Bible where it's paraphrased. This is very uh, a literal translation. Um, so those of us that don't understand Greek and Hebrew, uh, this is as close as you're going to get um, that we can understand. Y'all get what I'm saying? So it says, when they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, 
to go into the land, go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them and immediately he will send them. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They bought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their robes on them and, sat him, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their robes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, who comes in the name of the Lord, is the blessed one. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaking, saying, who is this? The title of this message is A Premature Celebration. A Premature Celebration. Anybody ever have a great week? Like you started off just killing. I'm talking Monday morning, the sun was shining. No rain. The dew was just glistening on your grass. You smelt pancakes because somebody else cooked. <laughs> Turn on the shower and, and, and the water is just right. You put on your clothes and you're just like, man, this is going to be a amazing day. Matter of fact, I am going to declare that this is going to be an amazing week. Anybody have one of those? I'm talking about a good Monday morning. Kids screaming and it don't bother you. Just nothing gets in your way. So good, you get in the car, cut the radio on, and ice cubes, today was a good day comes on. <laughs> Y'all like, what is that? Just waking up in the morning, got to thank God. <laughs> I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. No barking from the dogs, no smog. And mama made breakfast with no. So y'all ain't saved. <laughs> just, just. Just perfect. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get to work and everybody's just smiling and killing. And then by Tuesday, something hits you. By Wednesday, uh, by Thursday, help me, Jesus. And by Friday at 5 o'clock, you, <laughs> you getting in the car and you don't want to speak to no body. That quick, quick, your week of events have changed based off of all different types of things that have shifted your attitude. And that's exactly what we have here in this text. This is Sunday morning. This is the celebration. There's an excitement going on. Everything is going well. But if they only could fast forward a couple days and see what, is getting, what was getting ready to transpire, they would really think about how they're celebrating on Sunday. So it's a premature celebration. If they would have known on Thursday night that Jesus would be sitting with his disciples and he would share with them that one of them would betray him, 
And the Bible says, and immediately a spirit entered into Judas and he left the communion table. Then Jesus says, let me go up to pray one hour. And he goes up to the Mount of Olives or the Garden of Gethsemane and he begins to pray. And the intensity of what is getting ready to happen in the next 24 hours affects him so much that the Bible says that sweat appeared as if though blood was coming out of his pores because he was getting ready to take on all of the sins of the world. If they would have known that he was going to have to carry a cross for them, if he would have known that they would have gave him 39 slashes to his back, if they would have known that they would have pierced him in five different parts of his body, including the crown of thorns on his head, crown of thorns on his head, piercing in the left and the right, piercing in the feet and a piercing in the side. If they would have known that he would have went into the grave, if they would have known that they would have been closing the mouth of his tomb and they would possibly never see him again, this celebration possibly would have never happened. So there's a certain celebration here because they don't have the complete idea. Even though when you read the Bible throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is constantly telling them that he's going to die. But like all good things, many of us, we don't think those things are going to come to an end. Uh, Jesus is just talking. Maybe he has a little confused. Maybe, may, may, maybe he means die spiritually or something deep. You know, he's been talking all that deep stuff this whole time. He's been walking with us for three and a half years. Maybe he doesn't mean that. But if we could just backtrack a couple days before Good Friday, go back to Saturday night. We talked about Saturday night last week. Saturday night, we talked about, y'all remember last week? Last week, the Bible says that Jesus went into the city of Bethany. And when he went into the city of Bethany, he went into the house of his friends. What was his friend's name? Mary, Martha, and, and Martha was known for, uh-oh. So y'all ain't take no notes. Serving. And Mary was known for worshiping. But Lazarus was, uh-huh. So watch this. Y'all with me? Can I, can I take you down? Can I give you a story, take you down uh, this whole memory lane of what happens in this chapter? So it starts in Bethany the night before. Sabbath is over. And they're sitting inside of Jesus' house, and they're eating food, and they're chilling, and everything is going well. And, and, and Jesus now uh, is sitting there with Mary, Martha. Now, we can assume that his 12 disciples are there. So you got 12 disciples. You got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So you got 15 people. Y'all with me? They're in Bethany, and they leave Mary and Martha's house. Jesus' feet is clean. Mary done wiped them with her hair and, you know, prayed on them, put some oil on Jesus. is fresh to death. He walking, and he's chilling. He got 15 people walking with him, and he goes to a city called Jericho. Not, not up the street. Jericho over in the Middle East. And when he goes into Jericho, you know what happens? He's walking, and the Bible says that there, as he's walking through Jericho, there's two blind men. They can't see, but they hear that Jesus is coming by. And when they hear that Jesus is coming by, they begin to make some noise. And they begin to holler out, Jesus, thou son of David. Have mercy on me. When they realize that Jesus is in their midst, they start making noise because they understand that there may not be another chance for me to have this experience with him again. So now that I have him in my presence, I'm going to make some noise till I gain his attention. I love Miss Tanya, y'all, because she reminds me of that text. She reminds me of the text because I know that if Jesus walked in here right now, if all of us going to be cool, she's going to be the loudest one up in here. <laughs> y'all, y'all, see it right there. Miss Ty ain't gonna let Jesus walk up in this place. Y'all can fold your arms and cross your legs, but we gonna know Jesus is in the house if Miss Ty is up in here. Y'all, y'all hear it? 
So there's two of them walking or two of them sitting there on the side of the road. They have been blinded since birth. Y'all with me? They've been blinded since birth and they can never see. But when they see or hear, I'm sorry, they can't see nothing. But when they hear that Jesus is coming by, they begin to holler and make some noise to where the Bible says Jesus had compassion on them and said, what do you want? And the Bible says that he lays hands on them. Watch this. And when he lays hands on them, their eyes open. Now, how many people did I say was walking with him? Fifteen. Now you got two more. So you got 17 people walking with Jesus that we know of. Now, if we go scripture, we know that Jesus had other disciples. Uh-huh. Jesus had other disciples. You go to St. John, the sixth chapter. At one point, he had 120 disciples. But when you go to John 666, sounds scary, don't it? He says, unless you eat of my blood, my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have no parts with me. And the Bible says that that day, 108 of them left. And Jesus turned around and looked at the 12 and said, why are you still sitting here? And Peter catch the revelation and says, if I leave you, where will I go? So we know at least at this point, we got 17 people walking with Jesus and Jesus is walking. Y'all ever watch a movie? Uh, where there's a neighborhood fight and the kid is getting ready to go up the street to fight the kid and everybody starts coming off of their stoop and start following the kid and by the time they get up to the, to, to the other kid's house, it's about a whole, the whole neighborhood's out there. All right, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, the, the Jill Scott video. It was just her birthday recently. Happy birthday, Jill. Uh, getting in the way. Uh, the man, the girl calls her house while her boyfriend is in the shower and she jumps up and she starts walking up the street and the whole North Philly start following her and she walks up to the girl's door. Oh, I'm the only one watching music videos back in 2000. This is what happens here. Jesus is walking and as he's walking, the neighborhood starts walking with him as he's on his way to the Mount of Olives. Are y'all with me? So he's on his way to the Mount of Olives and he has an army with him. But before he goes up to the mountain, he stops. Y'all with me? He stops. And when he stops, he grabs two of his disciples and says, go ahead into the village. And go grab a colt and its foal, the baby donkey. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, tell them that I have need of them. Go ahead of the village. You'll see a donkey tied and the baby donkey with it. Untie them. And if a person asks you what's going on, just tell them that the Lord, not Jesus, not Mary's baby, the Lord has need of them. And when they hear that, they'll let them go. How about, show enough, when they get up there, they find themselves trying to untie because I'm like Carol, what she was saying earlier, it's trying to be sneaky. And somebody came out and said, hey, what you doing? And he said, uh, the Lord had need of these donkeys. <laughs> and the Bible says that the person lets them take them. You know what's so powerful about that text? Y'all with me? You want to know what's so powerful about that text? What's so powerful about that text is that that person was mature enough to know that God could do more with what they had than if they would have kept it for themselves. <sighs> so rather than me trying to hold on to something that God can use, Help me, Jesus. I'll release it to God because he'll be able to multiply and do more with it than I can ever do with it. There are too many things in our life that we're holding on to. 
There are too many things that God wants from us and we're holding and we're saying no and we're saying nah, uh, 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 and God is saying, if you would just give it to me, I'll do more with it than what you could ever do with. If you would give God your gifts, if you would give God your talent, can I go a step further? If you would give your children to God and stop getting in the way, God can do more with those things than you tying them up, keeping them, and saying, oh, I'll just keep it to myself. So Jesus now has these donkeys. I ain't going to be long today. And when he has these donkeys, the baby donkey and the mama donkey, the Bible says that they take their coats off Y'all with me? And they put the coat on the donkey so that Jesus can saddle up. Donkey symbolizes three things. A donkey symbolizes humility. A donkey symbolizes peace. And a donkey also symbolizes Davidic royalty. Y'all like, I don't know what that last word is, Pat. You guys, bring that back. What? Davidic royalty. Davidic Royalty. Y'all with me? Davidic royalty. So what is that? What do y'all think that means? Royalty from, huh? David. There you go. David. David. Royalty from the lineage of David. Now watch this. David is from the tribe of Judah. Judah. And when David became king, y'all with me? And when David became king, God made a promise to David that what? That through your bloodline, a king will reign forever. So this donkey symbolizes Davidic royalty. What are you saying, Joel? What are you saying? What are you saying, Pastor Joel? Can I, can I help you? Are y'all with me? So y'all remember King David? Anybody ever read, read about King David? Anybody read about King David? All right. Uh, David had a son. What was his son's name? Uh, but he had a bunch of other sons. Y'all remember Absalom and Adonijah and uh, Nathan, and he had a whole bunch of other sons, but y'all know Solomon was the main man, right? David is getting ready to die at the end of, or the beginning of 1 Kings. In the beginning of 1 Kings, David is getting ready to die. Y'all with me? And as David is getting ready to die, one of his sons decides that he's next in line to be the king without speaking to nobody. So what does he do? He goes and makes himself a huge inauguration. He gets the priest to lay oil on him. He goes and takes David's clothes. He puts the crown on his head. He got the trumpet players out there. He is putting together a service without permission from the previous administration. So the Bible says Bathsheba goes to the deathbed of David, puts her hand on his thigh and says, remember the oath that you made that Solomon would be the king. And before David dies, he makes a declaration that Solomon shall be the king. Are y'all with me? Is this, make, is this going too far? So what happens here? They now get Solomon, they anoint him, and they put him on a donkey. Not a horse. Not chariots. But they put him on a donkey. Davidic royalty. Solomon rides on a donkey. Solomon has a son. He rides on a donkey. His son rides on a donkey. His son rides on a donkey. 
And now Jesus, who comes from the bloodline of David, recognizes that I can't go into Jerusalem as the king of kings unless I ride on a donkey. So go tell the man that I have need of his donkey because I got to get on a donkey to make my demonstration known that I am the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. So now he goes up. And the Bible says that they begin to lay their cloaks on the ground. Cloaks, meaning they took their coats off and threw their coats on the ground. So that the, the, not, not that the king, but so that his donkey's feet don't get dirty. Now that's respect right there. I thought coming to America was bad with them rose petals. <laughs> but you so bad, your donkey don't get dirt, dirty feet. And they're laying the, the cloaks down and the donkey is just riding, riding into the city. And do you know where the cloaks came from? Uh, 2 Kings 9 and 14, 9 and 13, one or the other. Y'all can look it up. The Bible says in 2 Kings 9 and 13 that there was a king by the name of Jehu. And the Bible says that when he was anointed to be king, the people were excited because he was going to bring an end to the administration of Ahab and Jezebel. I know I'm talking deep today. And because the people were so excited that a new administration was getting ready to arise, what they did was they laid out their cloaks and laid it out because it symbolized the new administration. So the reason why these cloaks were laid out was symbolic of what had happened in the Old Testament with Jehu. So now the donkey is riding on. I'm almost done. And the donkey is chilling and everybody's waving Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest king of king, Lord of lords. They're excited. I'm almost done, y'all. I promise you. For real, for real. They're so excited because their king is coming into the city. Now watch this. Y'all with me? He went up to where? See if y'all got your Bible still open. Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is 2,700 feet in the air. It looks over Jerusalem, which gives him an opportunity at the peak of the mountain to look over Jerusalem. But it also gives Jerusalem the opportunity to look at the mountain and see him. So he's at the top of the mountain. Watch this with at least 17 people. We know it's more than that. And they are hollering Hosanna, Hosanna, go Jesus. I'm just making it 2019. Go. That ain't even that's like 1989. Go Jesus. Go Jesus. I don't know what they do now. This, I don't know if they, the floss. Yeah, they, 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 if we made it in 2019, they doing that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the shoots, they helping me. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. You know you getting old when you can't even keep up with dances no more. They're, in, they're at the top of the mountain. Y'all with me? They're at the top of the mountain. And my question here is, watch this. Why Jesus got to do all that? Is there a little bit of narcissism in him? Is is he trying to show off? Is he trying to showcase his authority? Is is he trying to show off his swag? Is Is he... is he, is he just, you know, is he flossing like we do on Instagram? <laughs> on vacation? You know, no, no, no. You just went to the beach for the weekend. 
Is, is, he, is he showing off or is he, is there a purpose on why he did this? Uh. I mean, looking at it from the outside in, it kind of looks like Jesus is trying to show off, but we know that he's lowly. We know that he's meek. We know that he's humble. So for him to do something like this when he's been doing miracles for the last three and a half years and has been delivering people saying, go tell no man. Y'all have seen that in the scriptures where he healed people and kept it moving. Now, all of a sudden, you got this big event, Jesus. What's, what's, what's all this about? And the reason why he had to do this, because Kyra stole my message, was Zechariah 9 and 9. He didn't do this to showcase himself. He did this to showcase the scripture. Watch this. He wasn't pointing us to his flesh. He was pointing us to his word. And the word of God is so powerful, it has a way of just showing off. Y'all quiet here. Y'all quiet here. It's it's, It's not us. It's just the word of God on us that brings attention to us. Jesus wasn't trying to swag out. Jesus was just doing nothing else but walking in the word. And when you walk in the word, nothing can happen but light to shine on you. When you're doing what God has told you to do, it's going to bring attention. When you're doing the will of God, people are going to look. When you're trying to live according to the book, people are going to have to ask questions. Jesus was not doing that to show off. Jesus was doing that to point us to the scripture. Not only did he do that to point us to the scripture, but he was showing us that he is the fulfiller of all scripture. From Genesis all the way to Malachi, Jesus fulfilled every single scripture in the Bible. Starting at Genesis 3 and 15, that the seed of a woman's heel shall bruise the head of the serpent. We go to Deuteronomy and a prophet shall reign out of Israel. We go to Isaiah 8 and a virgin shall be born. We go to all of the scriptures and every single scripture in the Old Testament concerning Jesus came to pass. Now he's getting ready to go to the cross but before he can go to the cross he has to fulfill all scripture. So he goes to Zechariah 9 and 9 and he fulfills it because he's the fulfiller of all scripture. Y'all with me? does not do this to show off. He does it to show scripture. When you're doing the word of God and when you're doing the will of God, you ain't got to take pictures. Y'all quiet. When, When you're doing God's plan and God's design and God's work, you ain't got to talk about it. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. There was a woman in the book of Acts. Her name was Dorcas. And the Bible says that when she died, the whole city mourned. Whole entire city. Dorcas didn't have a flyer up. Dorcas didn't have a commercial. Dorcas didn't have a Facebook page. Dorcas didn't have an Instagram. Dorcas didn't have a talk show. But her work was so powerful, help me, Jesus, that when she died, it impacted a whole community to the point that God had to touch Paul to raise her from the dead. When you do God's work, you don't have to talk about it. 
I'm gonna show you something else, and y'all gonna be like, that ain't scripture. The he and I don't know, you know, I don't know his his soul, whatever. But when Nipsey died two weeks ago, you know, we ain't gonna do all that calling him Jesus stuff. You know, we ain't gonna do that. I'm gonna tell y'all that now. He ain't, Jesus died for my sins. But when Nipsey died a couple weeks ago, I heard of him. I, I, I heard his music. I knew who he was dating. I knew that kind of stuff. But I didn't know the impact that he had in his community. But when he died and they packed the Staples Center out and they shut down television stations to show his funeral, it shows me that there was some type of good work that was being done that impacted a community to come out and show their respect to somebody that never talked about it. All we saw was a rapper. But we didn't see the good work and the good deeds he was doing when he left the studio. We didn't see the good works that he was doing when he was done rapping on stage. We live in a generation now where we give you a dollar, we got to tell people. Out here now, Hope Haven Church, we just handing out turkeys because we love the people. Put this on Facebook Live. Yo, come here, baby. I know you need one. You hungry. What does Jesus tell us? If we're going to, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. If you're blessing people to be seen, you already received your blessing. So Jesus did not do this to be seen. Jesus did that because that's what the scripture required him to do. And it made such an impact that the city came out and began to praise him. And they begin to holler, Hosanna, Hosanna. They got their palms. I'm, I'm old, so I don't care. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to say it. They wave their hands in the air like they just ain't care. Shoot. That's right. We're going to keep it. They waving their hands in the air like they just don't care. They're screaming. They're hollering. And they're saying, Hosanna, 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 which means save us now. Hosanna means to save now. They're shouting for victory prematurely. Because in order for there to be victory, there has to be a battle. So he could not be the king quite yet till he defeated a war. So they're celebrating prematurely because the battle was not till Friday. <laughs> if they would have known what was getting ready to happen in the next five days, they would have saved their praise. But sometimes God will give you a premature praise just to let you know that you're going to have victory regardless of what you're going through. So they're praising him, but they don't know that he has to go into the grave and get victory over death. They're praising him, but they don't know that he has to go to the cross and be crucified. They're praising him, but they don't know that he's going to have to be pierced. They're praising him, but they don't know that he's going to have to be mocked. They're praising him, but they don't know that the people are going to spit in his face. 
They're praising him, but they don't know that in the next couple of days, a whole lot of them around him that are saying, go Jesus, go Jesus, go, are going to be the same people that when they say, aren't you the one that follow him, they're going to start cussing and running away. They're praising him prematurely, but they don't know the storm that they're going to have to go through to get to the victory. Sometimes we're praising God, but we don't understand the battle we're going to be ready to go to to get to the end result. I have been in some places where I'm like, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, and I'm feeling great. And I didn't realize what I was doing was I was praising him prematurely. I didn't know I was going to have a tough year. Y'all quiet. I didn't know I was going to have a tough week. I didn't know I was going to go through what I was going through in my life. But I was just praising him prematurely. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. You have no rivals. You have no equal. We just killing it. But if you only could see the fight that you are going to have to go through to get to the end result, some of y'all possibly would have shut your praise up. Some of you possibly would have put your hands down if you would have saw some of the stuff that you went through in the last couple months. Some of you wouldn't have been hollering and screaming in church the way you was a couple months ago if you would have seen what you were getting ready to go through. But you know what? Or going through is nothing else but that. Going through. Y'all missed it. Going through is nothing more than going through. I'm going to say it again. Going through is nothing more than going through. What does that mean? It means I'm going through something. And a through has to have an end. Now, if I stopped somewhere, I'd be afraid. But the fact that I'm going through, I need to keep praising him. I need to say, thank you. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Oh, they fight you on every side. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Oh, they fight you on your job. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Oh, the doctor gave you a bad report. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Oh, no, your family done turned their back. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. I know I'm going through, but I'm going through. And if I can just keep saying, go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Around this time next Sunday, he's going to rise again with all power in his hand, with all victory, with all joy, and with all might. So rather than me stopping, I'm going to praise him till I get through my end result. Y'all making me tired. <laughs> Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, go Jesus. Some of y'all going through some stuff right now, but go Jesus. Uh -huh, I don't know what's going on, but go Jesus. I don't know how this is going to come to an end, but go Jesus. And go Jesus, because while I'm saying go Jesus, he's pushing me through. While I'm saying go Jesus, I'm going through all types of trials and tribulations, but I'm still going. Next time somebody asks you, don't complain, say I'm going. How, how's the kids? They going. How's my job? It's going. How's your health? It's going. Don't, don't, don't you get stagnant, but keep saying go Jesus, go Jesus, because he's pushing you to your next Sunday morning. I'm finished here. Three points, and I'm done. Point number one. When God needs something from you, let it go. How many of you remember the story with Hannah? Anybody remember Hannah? Y'all read the Bible? First Samuel, Hannah? There's a young lady by the name of Hannah who's barren, and her husband loves her, but she can't have kids, and the husband got two wives, and the other one is just popping them out, and Hannah just can't seem to get a breakthrough or have babies at all. 
But she says something to God. She says, God, if you just give me one, I'll dedicate him to you. And by her dedicating that child to the Lord, the Bible says that he became not only the priest, but he also became the judge of all Israel because she made that sacrifice. But you want to know what's even more powerful about that story because she made that sacrifice? The Bible says that from that day forward, her womb opened and she had more kids. The fact that she was able to give God her first fruits, God opened up a door to give her more fruits. I'm going to say that again. The fact that she was willing to give God her first fruits, God was able to open her womb so that she could have more fruits. So sometimes when God requires something for you, understand that there's a blessing in what he's requiring. If he's requiring prayer, you need to pray. If he's requiring for you to fast, you need to fast. If he's requiring you to dedicate, rededicate yourself and, and, and get involved in ministry and serve and do whatever you need to do, you need to get involved because that first fruit is setting you up for more fruit. Number two. Every promise God makes, he keeps. Zechariah 9 and 9 would have been voided if God did not fulfill it. Genesis 3 and 15 would have not been fulfilled or would have, not, would have been worthless if God did not fulfill it. And every promise over your life is void if God does not fulfill it. And the reason why you're still alive is because God's word is still working. Number three. A premature celebration. Sometimes we rejoice for victory, not realizing that there's a process to get there. You're going to be victorious, but you can't have victory without a battle. I'm going to say it again. You're going to be victorious, but you can't have victory without a battle. So sometimes we're celebrating and we're jamming and we're hollering and we're screaming and we're jumping, but we don't understand that there's a battle that we have to go through in order to get to the victory. I'm finished, y'all. Thank y'all for coming out today. Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for these people that have stand to their feet. God, you know their request. God, you know their need. God, we touch an agreement right now, God, that you do your work, God, that you do what only you can do, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for God, you are a God that is able to do impossible things. God, you're able to do things, God, that we can't even imagine or even think, God. And God, we ask Lord, that you touch each person, God, under the name of my voice, name by name, one by one. God, you know their request. God, you know their need. And we thank you right now, God, for God, you are going to meet that need. God, you're going to open that door. God, you're going to do everything, God, that you have promised, God. And we thank you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go the number two, hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.